Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Christopher Drobot. Christopher is a passionate cheerleader for the potential of the Edmonton region. Although not directly an entrepreneur himself, his extensive experience in business operations and now mortgage lending help focus his excitement on the ideas that can see the city grow. He is involved in the push to bring a world-class aquarium to the city and is completing his MBA and, together with his wife, homeschools his two children. The parallels between entrepreneurialism and homeschooling have been many and he sees an overarching lesson in both. You have to create the world you wish to see. And now let's join Christopher as he has a chat with Sar Safa. Take it away, Christopher. Hello and welcome back to Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas, supported by Rainforest Alberta. I am your host, Christopher Drobot, and this episode we are joined by Sar Safa. Sar is a creative problem solver, and one of the problems he is most proud of solving comes down to the work done by Sea Tribe Festival, a community driven by diversity and helping innovative and creative people achieve their dreams. In just two years, the festival has grown to four days of innovative and creative programming, 50 speakers, and 1,000 attendees. He also works as the VP of Canadian Operations for a San Francisco Bay Area machine learning firm, Autonomic IQ. In the spring of 2020, he will be pursuing a master's in artificial intelligence research. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, exciting. Uh, You actually just finished up the festival just a couple weeks ago here. We did. Yeah. We did. Tell us about that. Like we can't, we can't start without getting into that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, firstly, thanks for, thanks for hosting this and for continuing this awesome endeavor. I, I'm a, a big supporter and I, I really like what the rainforest is doing and the community that it, it continues to build and nurture and stuff. So I'm very humble to, to, to be here. Touching a little bit on Sea Tribe, it really started about three years ago where we had the idea of finding ways to celebrate diversity and help more people that were innovative and creative in achieving their dreams. And we wanted to do it in a way that would bring people from disparate and very different industries together, right? You know, thinking of how foundational innovation and technology is in our daily lives and how foundational the cultural fabric of a region like Alberta. We just thought that it, it was, there was an opportunity to, to build a festival property and a gathering of people that will kind of nurture and collide what's happening in the innovation economy, the creative economy, and also with the cultural dynamic that we have here in Alberta. And, you know, fortunately, we, we've been successful with, with growing and people have resonated with the concept and how we are reimagining this, this festival experience. So what we've done is we've allowed people to get, let's say, just an innovation pass that will give them access to the different speaking topics on topics like artificial intelligence, blockchain, machine learning, even cannabis. Or they can get a creative pass, which gives, gets them access to some of the more fun events, whether it be like music performances or fashion shows or culinary and dining experiences, or people can get just the full festival pass, which gives them access to the full thing. And what we've seen this year is that people are really resonating with that message and have 
picked up their own festival pass. So they're getting a taste of what's happening in the innovative and creative culture and, and economy here, and also getting a taste of what's happening in the creative community. So if you think about it, we're, we're, we're trying to build our own version of South by Southwest, where they've integrated different industries like film, technology, culture, comedy. I mean, you name it. And they do it so well that every single year that South by Southwest happens, it's the same as having the Super Bowl in Austin, Texas, right? It brings together hundreds of thousands of people for two and a half weeks. And it really gives the locals in Austin to show off the ideas, talent, and opportunities that do exist in the region. And, you know, we, we just, we looked at that model and we thought that it was phenomenal. We thought it was phenomenal because through us growing up here, we saw that there was a lot of talent and opportunities and ideas that existed. And if we could create another platform that would nurture that and help those innovative and creative people achieve their dreams, then we thought that uh, we could play our part in moving the needle and supporting what's happening here in Alberta. That's great. I, I mean, you you mentioned something to me earlier before we started recording, just about the idea that technology is foundational to everything that we do, including the creative aspects of, of our lives, the cultural aspects of our lives. I got here using some sort of technology. We're recording this through technology. Like it's not, it's not you have to be in machine learning or something like that or blockchain to be involved in technology. It's everywhere. What's great, I think, about what you mentioned, though, is that the diversity aspect is about providing a stage for that diversity so people can see it happening. And there's quite a few people from outside of the city, outside of our community that came to this event this year. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, you you nailed it right on the head, right? I mean, we live, work and play with technology being the foundation of, of how we do things, right? If we leave our cell phone at home, it just feels like we're, we're missing a limb for the full day and stuff, right? So I think what's really important now is now that we are heavily consumed and we are the consumers of technology, how can we repivot our focus and our mindset to be the producers of technology and these products and services that we use, right? And what can that do for the the economy, not only locally, but also nationally and internationally, if we are able to take the factors of production, the ideas, the research, the commercialization potential, and also the people and really show that we can be the producers of, of technology like this. And the nice thing about it is that, as you mentioned, Chris, you don't have to be an artificial intelligence engineer or a blockchain specialist. You just have to understand how these computers talk to each other and how these programs integrate and, and, and interact with the real world. And if you have a fundamental understanding of that, then you can have a say in the type of tools and technology that are, are being built and created, right? If we, if we think of the early days of, of Airbnb or Uber or some of the, the apps and tools that we use today, the idea wasn't created by a top-notch engineer or machine learning specialist. And not to say that's not an awesome talent and skill to have, but I think it just goes to show that, yes, even though those are unicorn and very big, audacious ideas, at the fundamental level, they were created by people who saw that there was a problem in the world, that they wanted to solve that problem using tools and technology and using the 
the methods of what they had around them. And I think we are at one of the best times in our life right now where those tools and technologies and assets have been so democratized and made accessible to almost everybody that we can, we can really capitalize on that and, and, and have it, have it be something that us individually can be proud of, our families can be proud of, our communities, and can also be something that can leave a legacy for, for the region. So yeah, I think you nailed it. It's not about just being the specialist or the AI engineer, right? If, if you're a creative problem solver, if you see and recognize problems around you, I think the next step is figuring out how you can use the tools and technology to solve those problems. Perfectly sums it up. I realize though we should back up a little bit. We don't know enough about you. So tell us a bit about your story. What's your background? Like, how did you get from young boy up to, hey, I'm going to start a festival where we have all these intersections of creativity and commerce and innovation? How, how, back us up. I'm assuming you don't think I'm young anymore. <laughs> I was just kidding. Yeah, I got, I got a few gray hairs now. No, that's a, that's a really good question. I'm happy we were able to go there. So I was pretty much born and raised in, in Edmonton. And when I say that, I wasn't technically born here, but my family immigrated here when I was three years old. So, you know, for everything that I know, the, the culture that I'm, I'm acquainted with has been what's been around me in the environment that I've been raised in, which is in Edmonton. So anytime where, when someone asked me where I was born, I always say, technically Edmonton. <laughs> I graduated from the university where I played five years on the, on the collegiate basketball team there. And I always thought that basketball was going to be my outlet, my gateway for my career and where I saw my future and stuff. In my fourth year, I suffered a very bad hip injury that sidelined me for, for six months. And at the time, it felt like that was the end and that was doomsday coming but it really just gave me a chance to reflect and think about where I saw myself in the next five or 10 years and stuff. And I came to the realization that even though I had another year and a half to play, that probably basketball wasn't going to be that thing for me. And it was a hard pill for me to swallow because my whole life I've been playing some type of competitive sports ranging from volleyball, where I had a tryout with the national team, basketball, where I had a tryout with the U19 national team, played high level collegiate I'm at the university there, track and field. I was, I was, a, I was a really good athlete and whatnot. I mean, so making that switch was really, was really difficult mentally, but I, I, I looked at the field of entrepreneurship and I remember reading books and, and, and studying it and people compared it a lot to, to sports, right? I think Mark Cuban has that famous line where he says that entrepreneurship is just like sports, except you're competing not only with the person who's on the same field as you, but you're competing with people across the globe and it's a 24 hour game. So that to me really just attracted me to the, to the world of entrepreneurship. And, you know, fast forward, I, I had an opportunity to work with a few engineers to build a software product that brought us to New York, where we applied and almost got into this accelerator program. We inevitably got turned down by them. But what happened there was it really opened my eyes to what a growing innovation economy and creative economy looked like or an established one. And that was the one that I, I got an opportunity to feel when I was in New York City. And it was just really neat because everywhere you'd go, 
you weren't just going to events with, let's say, people who worked on Wall Street, or you weren't just going to places where you saw just other tech entrepreneurs. It was really just this collision and collaboration of different people from non-for-profits to creative artists to photographers and fashion models. And, and they were all collaborating and working on things. And so coming back, I lived there for, for a few months, but coming back, I was a little bit depressed, I think is, is the word that I'll use for the lack of better terms. You know, not because I had to come back to Edmonton, but because I was leaving this environment that just provided so much inspiration and, and gave me the, the creative juices that I needed and whatnot. So long story short, I asked myself, hey, what does it take to create that same energy here in Edmonton, Alberta? And looking around and thinking of all my successful friends and people that I knew in my network, I knew that we had the talent and we had the ideas and people that were doing interesting things here. We just needed a, another platform that would shine a spotlight on these ideas, talents, and opportunities. So long story short, C-Tribe was born and we, we haven't stopped looking back. And that has kind of been the synopsis of my entrepreneurial journey. That's great. It almost seems obvious to ask you, how what you're doing is helping the community, but but I, I am going to push you on that maybe a little bit more, like expand on on some of maybe the success stories that you've seen come out of the festival. Yeah, that's a really good question. At, at this foundation, C-Tribe is about encouraging collisions and stuff. And if we can put very smart, bright, creative, innovative people in the same room it makes our job easy because it's all hands off from there. They just take the wheel and create things and work, work on things together. One of the best examples is we had a young lady who came to one of our, our fashion shows. And I mean, how C-Tribe works for people who have never been to the event before. We think of some of the creative events that we have as almost tentacles on an octopus that get people interested in some of the other aspects of the festival. One of the best examples was because things like fashion shows and creative events, whether it be like music performances, already have a mind place in, in people's minds. It was just a very easy sell for, for reaching out and getting people interested in, in events like that. So we, we had this fashion show. Long story short, this young lady that came to the event, she was so inspired by it and was so inspired by the other people that she met. And it turned out that she was studying sciences at the time at the, at the University of Alberta. And a few months later, she, we, we found out that she went on and created two patents in the neuroscience space where she was actually created a, like a patent idea on how technology and science can be used to address PTSD. And uh, long story short, she's at the place where those patents have been approved for the next stage by the, by the government of Canada. And she was able to connect to other people within the science community to help bring those ideas and products to life and stuff. From a fashion show. From a fashion show, yeah. right? So I think that's just like a, a really beautiful example of how C-Tribe is able to attract people from different industries and, and kind of connect them to the, to the full value of what C-Tribe can offer, which is the, the collisions that you'll find in, in disparate industries and stuff. Yeah, and which is actually a, a beautiful alignment with Rainforest and their ideals. I mean, in the sense of, of being industry agnostic, in the sense of, of breaking down barriers, in the sense of inviting people in from all different areas of our economy and showing them that by being part of this, this ecosystem that we can actually encourage greater things happening than 
each of us by ourselves could ever do on our own. No, you nailed it. Yeah. It's the power of the collective, which is the sum of the whole is greater than any individual parts. And as I echoed before, you know, I'm really inspired by the rainforest community. I actually, I have a meeting with one of the, the, the leaders in the, in the Edmonton chapter to discuss what other synergies that we could potentially look at between Sea Tribe and the rainforest and stuff. So yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm really fond of, of the work that the rainforest does. And to your point, the more folks that we get believing in this ideal where you show up somewhere and you give more than you take can do foundational things and very, sorry, exponential things for our economy. Yeah, that's great. Let's go in a bit of a different direction here. So with your own experience that you've had now, like you're somebody who has been to New York, you've been there and back, but the, the thing that's maybe more unusual about that is the back part. There's, there's not a lot of people, once they've gone out into the world, that decide, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this really cool thing happen in Edmonton. So why Edmonton? What about Edmonton really draws you in? Where's the opportunity that you see in Edmonton to launch something like this? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I get this question all the time, especially when I'm in the the Toronto's or the New York's or the San Jose's and stuff. And if I'm talking to somebody that has never heard about Sea Tribe before, if I'm talking to, let's say, a, a brand manager or a VP of marketing of some organization, and as soon as I mention, oh, by the way, this happens in Edmonton, you can kind of see their interests go from yay high to like, oh, what the heck? Like, what, what, what is even there? Why, why don't you do this in New York? This is such a event that could be hosted here in Toronto. And I think the answer lies right in, in that comment is there are already things that exist like this in those bigger cities, right? These collisions and these, these experiences already, already exist. And it's not to say that they don't exist here in, in Edmonton to some degree, but just looking at where we are in the mindset of Alberta as a whole, right? The folks that I went to high school with or even college, they, they chose the more traditional path and the very stable economies that we, we've had here in, in the city and in the province, right? And that's one of the greatest gifts and curses that I think we have in the city is we have economies that even if their legs are taken from under them, they're not going anywhere, right? And, and that's a really good thing. That actually shows very strong signs of a region that should be invested in and investable, right? We have strong healthcare, government sectors, oil and gas, construction, you know, you name it. We have these foundational industries that are just never going anywhere. And they're almost a safety net, especially for folks who maybe venture off and try different things, but maybe aren't as successful. But on the other side of that, we also have these emerging sectors like artificial intelligence, where very similar to where the internet was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, if we play our cards right, if we are the ones who venture and pioneer this new space, then we can reimagine and create very tremendous and bigger economies and industries and we 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 could ever picture right i mean let's just take a look at what's happening or what has happened in silicon valley 
right? Where they capitalized and they they invested heavily in in silicone, in the internet, in mobile, in in, in these what we now consider traditional fields. But I mean, why is California on a GDP basis recognized as probably the fifth largest economy in the entire world? It's because they took that in initial step and created that inertia to invest in these economies and stuff. And if we look at the pieces that we have here in Edmonton, I mean, in Alberta, we're one of the most educated regions in the entire world, not only in Canada, but the entire world. We have the second young, youngest population in Canada. We're leading in computer science and artificial intelligence research in the entire world. And we're living in a city where we're basically transforming the downtown core right in front of us. Right. So every day that we look out at the skyline, we see that there's a new building that popped up or there's a, there's something new happening in the skyline. You know, these are all very in inspiring pieces that we can look back and be like, holy crap, I want to be part of this growth. I want to I want to be the person who's building that next tower or who's building that next bridge or who's building that new, next technology because we have the assets here. So to answer your question, why Edmonton is because we get the chance to have our hands in a very fast growth and emerging economy. That's, I couldn't agree with you more, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very bullish on Edmonton and its, its future. I, in many of the conversations I have with people, express similar sentiments to what you just shared. However, I would even go further than that. I mean, so many great things that are happening on the innovation side of things. Unfortunately, too many people don't know about because they're siloed in their in, in whatever space they're in. So that really just kind of rounds it back to why a group like maybe Rainforest or Sea Tribe is so important about bridging those gaps, about bringing people in from from those different industries. No, yeah, you you, you completely nailed it. And we we live in the age of distraction now, right? Where if you're really good, you might have somebody's attention for seven seconds, right? I mean, people are watching Netflix on their phones or surfing the net. So there's a bigger role that's required by folks that aren't just in the government sector or aren't just mandated to be pushing this innovation agenda, but folks like yourself, folks like the Rainforest and folks like Sea Tribe and the numerous other organizations that are doing a phenomenal job of driving this innovation sector with the support of the government, of course. But we shouldn't just have that responsibility fall on the shoulders of, of government, right? Because, Chris, you probably know your audience or the rainforest audience could be substantially different from the Sea Tribe audience. And even though we could be saying the exact same message and promoting the exact same things, and let's even say they find us in the exact same channels, your audience will listen to you or the rainforest and my audience will listen to me and Sea Tribe. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's just the beauty of the democratized technology and access to the tools that we need to promote the good that's happening in, in, in our economy and stuff. And to your point, the more that we can collaborate, unify our messaging and kind of go at it as a, as a, as a, as a combined force, the, the bigger that reach and the bigger the, the opportunity of more people to, to see the potential in, in the innovation economy. Yeah. I mean, that even kind of speaks to where we met. So you from Sea Tribe, myself, you know, from 
various different organizations, but we met at an Edmonton Emerging Professionals Network event where typically the attendees are from the traditional industries, such as you were mentioning, accountants, lawyers, finance professionals, that type of thing. And so it really goes to show the importance of recognizing the network effects that each individual brings to the table. And I think to listeners, people that are thinking, oh, well, I only know a few friends. Well, the fact that everybody knows a few friends, that's where you get the message out exponentially, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, the uh, shout out to the Edmonton Emerging Young Professionals Network because they're really, they've really found themselves a niche where they are tapping into those traditional sectors and, and bringing people who, you know, more or less will be the future leaders of, of big organizations and stuff, right? And, and getting them tapped into what's happening here in the city and whatnot. So yeah, to your point, it's, it's, there, there is a movement here happening for sure. Yeah. You just got to look for it. Yeah. Just got to look for it. So on your journey then, what would you say to somebody else who's considering taking similar steps, taking similar action? What would be your, your words of sage advice maybe would help them avoid some sort of obstacle that you ran into? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think there's a few different threads that we could go with that. I mean, my journey has been far from perfect. And I think to help somebody else from making the same mistakes or going in the same pitfalls, if I could help one more person, then I felt that I feel that it would all be worth it stuff. Right. So I think just firstly, and this might be counterintuitive to what I just said is really just not playing it too cautious where you're like, SAR said not to do this. So it definitely won't work for me. Right. I think there there is beauty in learning from other people's mistakes and there is a need for that, but you're going to make mistakes anyways, right? I think Mark Zuckerberg was saying it once where he's made so many mistakes along his way, but the thing that he stuck to and what was really close to his core was that there were people out in the world that he knew needed the services and, and products that he and his team were building. So that did not stop him from, from, from continuing to pursue and continuing to, to deal with the bad press or the days where Facebook had no money. I mean, if you read some of the book of the early, some of the books or articles or case studies of the early Facebook days, like they were very close to bankruptcy, right? Which is crazy to think because they're one of the biggest software companies or companies in general nowadays. But yeah, we, we can't just be too cautious. We we have to we have to be willing to to explore ourselves what exactly is on the other side. If there is one foundational thing that I can provide as advice and what has been very helpful for me along my journey is to find this thing and search for this thing called your ikigai. And for folks who aren't familiar with that term, Basically, it's a Japanese term that translates into your reason for being. And it's an intersection between four very foundational things. It's an intersection between what we're passionate about, what we're good at, what the world will pay us for, and what the world actually needs. And especially in the world of entrepreneurship, if we as individuals think of how these four things intersect in our journey, right? And if we evaluate, let's say our next big audacious idea against those four principles, then I 
I find that's a fairly good guiding metric to journeying down this road of, of entrepreneurship and, and, and solving problems and stuff. Right. I mean, a lot of people think that it starts with being an AI specialist and thinking of how your research can be applied to, to solving a problem. And yeah, that's, that's a place to start for sure. But that will basically be like putting the carriage before the horse or trying to create a solution before you actually nail a problem and stuff. Right. Or the other things that I find people run into is because they are passionate at something, let's say baking a cake or they love to cook. They think that they can turn that into a business idea and, and be paid for it or that the world actually needs. And you can argue that there's, there's a necessity for that, but I think in the world where we're at, where we can be thinking of bigger and grander ideas to, to solve, it's very important to think about those four principles and, and what they mean to your own life. Because if you can find something that's so unique to you and no one can really compete with you because of those four unique skill sets or four unique traits, then I think it's, it, it makes a per- perfect recipe for going along an entrepreneurial journey. Well, this has been an awesome chat, an awesome interview. I really appreciated having you on. Uh, if I were to sum it up, I mean, we'd say just make collisions happen. Just get people in the room. It doesn't matter what their background is and just solving problems. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Catalyzing action. Right? Yeah. Anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners then? No, I mean, I just want to, again, uh, I'm humbled and thankful that you reached out and you guys have this awesome platform going. And I think it's just a a really good example of what's required. And if everybody plays their own role in in terms of sharing the innovative stories that we have here in our city, then that that message can resonate with people around the world. So yeah, kudos and and thank you. Thank you for for having me. Well, thanks for being on. To our listeners, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is sponsored by Capturing Legacies, because everyone has a story and Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com for more information. The audio for this episode was professionally edited by Kate Day with KD Sound Design. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.